The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Ah, were you not hearing me before? Sorry about that. Okay. All right. Nice to see you all online. Good to have you with us. Um, so uh, we, this Fusatsu ceremony at Village Zen, we call it an atonement ceremony. Uh, more traditionally, it's referred to as a um, repentance ceremony or even a confession ceremony. Um, so uh, I think that when, I know I'm speaking for myself, but I think it's a general pattern when uh, we come to spiritual practice, oftentimes uh, we are drawn to it because we're seeking for some kind of relief from the suffering in our life. And I think that oftentimes we're looking for something like a spiritual trick or a technique that's going to allow us to leap out of that suffering, to leap over it or run and end around to avoid it or something like that. But it doesn't really work that way. And so our, our practice is, is the opposite of that. It's about actually going into the pain that we experience in our lives in order to find the relief from suffering. Um, so it's uh, the other way around. And Um, and so we begin the ceremony in that spirit, actually, by going straight into the, the sources of suffering. And we begin with the verse of atonement, or the verse of repentance, which says, All evil karma ever committed by me since of old, on account of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance, born of my body, mouth, and thought, now I atone for it all. Atone. Um, Enkyo Roshi pointed out that this word atone was actually invented uh, fairly recently, just in the 16th century, by the same guy who translated the King James Bible into English. He invented this term atone, which really just means to be at one with. To atone is to be at one with, as the as it looks like. And uh, so we use that to acknowledge that um, we are at one with all evil karma that we've ever committed. We are not separate from all the evil karma that we've ever committed. And therefore we take responsibility for that. And we're not trying to leap over or run around that evil karma. We take it on and we, uh, we accept responsibility for it. Evil karma, karma just means, uh, it's a Sanskrit word that means action. 
So there are different kinds of action. There's the action of our bodies, the action of our speech, and the action of our thoughts. All of those things create karma. And we say uh, evil karma, meaning that uh, the karma that causes harm, that causes suffering, as opposed to karma that, that causes benefits. So all evil karma ever committed by me since of old. And that sense of old is a phrase that um, is uh, very pregnant in a way, very resonant. Sense of old. We're not thinking about this just in a narrow or superficial sense, but in a deeper sense. Sense of old means that I've ever committed in my entire lifetime. And maybe we could even say, in not just this lifetime, but in any lifetime. In, in Zen, we don't talk about reincarnation very often, but this may be a time where it's. It's relevant to think about that. So traditionally in Buddhism, they talk about karma as being, uh, uh, there being retribution for karmic action or essentially repayment, payment for karmic debt in happening in three periods. The first period is in the course of one's lifetime. If it's not repaid in the course of one's lifetime, it might be repaid in the second period, which is in one's next life. And if it's not repaid in the next life, then maybe in the third period, which is any other lifetime after that. But sooner or later, it's going to get paid because all actions and all causes have an effect uh, that is unavoidable. So, uh, those actions don't just disappear. They do have effects. Um, so um, Charlotte Joko Beck, the Zen teacher, was once asked by a student, what is reincarnation? And she said, well, your Zazen meditation practice may give you some insight into that. And uh, if you think about it, if you are really paying attention in your meditation, you can actually see that each moment is unique and unto itself. And in a sense, in each moment, everything comes to an end. And in each moment, everything begins anew. In each moment, we die. And in each moment, we are reborn. And so in a sense, we are uh, living reincarnation moment to moment to moment without talking about what's going to happen after this physical body gives out, uh, which I haven't had that experience, so I can't really say. Um, but this is a pointing to the fact that our lives are undergoing constant transformation from moment to moment, right? This is the basic Buddhist teaching of impermanence, that everything is constantly transforming and changing, and nothing is fixed and set forever. So all evil karma ever committed by me since of old, 
And when we say um, by me, we're also not talking about it just in a narrow or superficial sense, uh, just in terms of this little self, but also in terms of the, the full self. And that is to say, um, in our interrelationships with everyone and everything else. Because um, in some sense, we, are, we have some kind of relationship with everyone and everything else. It may be obvious or it may be subtle. It may be direct or it may be indirect, but there's some relationship that we have to everyone and everything else right now and in the past and in the future. And so in this, uh, in this sense, we are invoking the fundamental teaching or tenet of interdependency. That all things are interdependent, related to each other. And so all evil karma committed by me refers to all evil karma ever committed that I'm related to. I have to take responsibility for that throughout space and time. And if you put those two things together, the impermanence and the interdependence, um, that gives us the idea of what's called, the, the technical term is um, interdependent origination. That is to say that all things are coming into being constantly in relationship to everything and everyone else through the causes and conditions that are arising. So this idea that reality is uh, interdependent uh, origination is, is a, a teaching about causality. It's really looking at how um, everything that happens has an effect and, and brings about everything uh, that subsequently ensues. So, um, the great Zen teacher, uh, Dogen Zenji, um, who lived in the 13th century, at the very end of his life, started to write about some issues that he hadn't addressed so much for most of his teaching career. And these involved karma, causality, and morality. And it's a bit of a mystery that the Dogen scholars don't really know why he started writing about this just in the last five years of his life. This is late, late Dogen. So what was going on? We don't really know. There is one possibility, which is that it was provoked by an experience he had in 1247 and 1248, he was invited to go to Kamakura to meet with the shogun. And Dogen had always refused to go meet with the political authorities, but this time he agreed. And he went and he spent, I forget, five or six months in Kamakura in the city. He gave uh, lectures and he gave teachings to the shogun. 
And at first he thought it was going well, but ultimately he decided it, it had not been successful. He went back to his monastery in AHG and said, you know, I'm back. I didn't really uh, tell them anything new, just what I've always been saying, which is that um, wholesome behavior um, is virtuous and unwholesome behavior leads to degradation. And then he began writing these texts or fascicles about karma and causality and uh, morality. So um, I thought I'd share a few passages from one of these late texts. Uh, it's called Karma in the Three Periods. And he begins um, talking about the fact that we often really don't see the effects of our actions. And therefore, we might be inclined to think they actually have no effect whatsoever, right? Um, and he points to the problem that a lot of people rightly know, which is it seems like a lot of people get away with doing a lot of bad stuff, and it, they never, it never catches up with them. And other people who do a lot of good stuff don't end up getting uh, a lot of credit for it. So um, he puts these words into the mouth of the 19th ancestor in India, uh, Kumara Labda. So he says, why should you doubt the results from our wholesome and unwholesome actions take effect in the three periods? The, what people only see, but people only see that the peaceful die young and the violent live long and that the unrighteous prosper and the righteous decline. I don't know if you ever saw that Kurosawa film, it's called The Bad Sleep Well. That's what he's talking about here. That's the way it looks. Um, they deny the law of cause and effect and say that our sins and good deeds are without consequences. They do not know that the shadows and echoes follow our actions without a hair, hair's breadth gap. The results of our actions don't get worn away even in 100, 1,000, or 10,000 eons. They're always, they're always going to uh, be present. So then he says, um, from the beginning of learning the way of Buddha ancestors, from the beginning of our Zen study, in other words, we study and clarify the principle of the effects of karma in the three periods. If we don't, many of us will make a mistake and fall into crooked views. Not only do we fall into crooked views, we get into unwholesome realms and experience suffering for a long time. When we do not maintain wholesome roots, we lose merit and are obstructed in the path of enlightenment. Would that not be regrettable? So the problem is, um, if we don't take karma seriously, uh, we, it's easy to fall into unwholesome conduct and therefore um, uh, end up experiencing suffering or causing suffering. So uh, he then start, goes into a, um, a story about uh, an old Chinese teacher named Changsha, 
And Chongsha was a great teacher, but in this story, Dogen criticizes him very harshly. Um, and so uh, the imperial attendant once asked Master Chongsha, uh, what is the hindrance of karma? And Chongsha said, essential emptiness. And then the attendant asked, and, sorry, um, sorry, the attendant asked, what is essential emptiness? And Changsha said, uh, the hindrance of karma. And then the, the attendant asked, and what is the hindrance of karma? And Changsha said, essential emptiness. So uh, this, is, this is really, I mean, it might sound, paradoxical, but it's really completely in line with, with the Buddhist teachings, which are that um, uh, all of the, the forms and phenomena and aspects of our life are constantly changing. They depend upon causes and conditions and everything else that's going on, and therefore they have no intrinsic existence. And therefore, they are, in a sense, empty. The, the idea of emptiness really just means that all things are impermanent and all things depend, are interdependent. They don't have any essential, permanent, fixed nature. In that sense, they're empty. It doesn't mean that there's nothing, but there's nothing that is constant, fixed, um, and independent of, of everything else. So... So he's saying here that um, all of our karma is essentially empty. All of our karma is subject to causes and conditions. All of the forms and phenomena of the relative world are actually um, have no intrinsic existence and therefore um, are empty and therefore are um, no different from abs the absolute level of reality. The relative world and the absolute world are not separate. In the Heart Sutra, we chant that fundamental teaching, form, and empty form is no other than emptiness. Emptiness is no other than form. Karma is no other than emptiness. Emptiness is no other than karma. That's what Changsha is saying here. It's the fundamental Mahayana Buddhist teaching. But Dogen reacts against this, and he says, Changsha here is getting it all wrong, and he excoriates him. And it's, it's a little peculiar why he would do that, given that the teaching seems consistent with Buddhist principles. Dogen says, sentient beings who believe in the original emptiness of the hindrance of karma and create karma in self-indulgence would have no moment of emancipation. So I think that what Dogen is, is trying to get at here is if you, if you grasp the idea of emptiness, uh, it would be very easy to, let's say you have an experience where you feel totally free, 
Uh, you feel completely unhindered. You feel at one with the universe. Um, you might be tempted to think that you can do anything and uh, it's okay. I think that Dogen here is cautioning us against an idea of Buddha nature, which implies that all of us have uh, a whole and complete in intrinsic nature. This is another idea that you hear commonly in Zen. Our Buddha nature, we are all things and all people have Buddha nature. But if you take that to mean that you are Buddha, and therefore you can uh, do whatever you please, and uh, it will have no uh, karmic uh, complications, that can be very dangerous. If you think that you've realized something about yourself in the deepest sense, and that therefore um, you are not subject to the law of cause and effect, you're gonna, you're gonna wind up in deep trouble. And so I think that Dogen is really trying to emphasize this point that for in our Zen study, we, we really have to look very carefully at our actions and the effect of our actions and not rely in some complacent way on the idea that we're all whole and complete and we're all Buddhas and it's all good and it's all hunky-dory. Self-indulgence, he calls that. And then he ends uh, by quoting uh, Shakyamuni Buddha. The world-honored one said, effects of an action will never per perish. After 100 and 1,000 eons, one receives the results when the causes and conditions meet. Know that dark actions bring forth dark results. Bright actions bring forth bright results and mixed actions bring forth varied results. So refrain from taking dark and mixed actions and endeavor to take bright actions. And then Dogen ends by saying, as the world-honored one says, once wholesome or unwholesome actions are created, they will not perish even after 100, 1,000, 10,000 eons. One receives the results when the causes and conditions meet. However, unwholesome actions disappear or turn to lighter results by repentance. Wholesome actions increase by rejoicing. This is called never perish. It is not that they do not have effects. Okay. So very interesting. He's saying that all of our actions will, will bear fruit. And if our action is um, not wholesome, it will cause suffering. And if it is wholesome, it will cause benefit. So what he's talking about here are what we refer to as the three pure precepts of the Bodhisattva, ceasing from evil, doing good, doing good for others. Right?
I had, uh, when I was starting the practice, uh, I was in Bolivia and we received a visit from a Zen nun from France who said, I remember her words, she said, il faut nutrir le karma. We have to nourish our karma. So it's not that we have to get up over our karma or get around our karma. We have to work with our karma and we have to nourish our karma. How can we do that? Well, we can rejoice in the wholesome karma that we've received. And we can work on the unwholesome karma that we've received, engage with unwholesome karma. It, the karma never perishes doesn't mean that the effects are determined forever, but that we can work with them to transform them, to take that unwholesome karma that we all have, work with it, transform it, plant the seeds of wholesome karma and nourish them, cultivate them. And the, the, uh, the effects of unwholesome karma, work with them to try to transform them. And how can we transform the unwholesome karma in our lives? Well, it starts with being aware of it. It starts by um, uh, accepting it, seeing, accepting it, and taking responsibility for it, which is exactly what we're doing in this ceremony. So we can do this work tonight in our Fusatsu ceremony. If you let go of your ideas and just give yourself to the bowing, and to the chanting, and to the awareness and attention in each moment, you are creating wholesome karma and transforming unwholesome karma. And you can do this in every action in your daily life. Let go of the thoughts, the, the greedy thoughts that are about trying to get what you like and letting go of the angry thoughts, which is about rejecting the things that you don't like and the ignorance, which comes from not realizing that you are connected to everyone and everything else. Let go of the thoughts for a minute and just be present. Open your heart, mind, give yourself wholeheartedly to what's right in front of you. This is how we cultivate the seeds of karma and nourish our karma. Thank you. <laughs>